0: Alright gang, so just a quick heads up. Uh, Instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audiobook, instead I went ahead and compiled all ten years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. You'd be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, and believe it or not, you can even buy it in fucking hardback. Uh, again, it's going to be available here really, really soon. This one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book, but about 60 more articles. It's got 350 or so pages of some pretty funny, inappropriate, and hopefully informative shit. So check it out.
1: Blue skies cool. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure, wild flight with NZ Aerosports.
0: Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on, one glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken, built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind. She gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos! They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there, with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe into the void and in person this time. I know you're not supposed to cheers with water, but here, a <laughs> lemonade and some water cheers. Salut. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do?
1: So, my name is Benji, and the full name Benjamin Brisasco, and I am from France, originally from Corsica, and uh, I work as a skydiving instructor. A skydiving instructor from France. Yeah. There's a lot of French skydivers. Actually, there's more than I thought, yeah?
0: Yeah, which, I mean, considering where it is and and the weather that is prevalent in France is kind of surprising, yeah? Yeah, and it looks like they're doing pretty good, especially the swoopers. Right? (laughs) I mean, a good showing. Yeah. A damn good showing. Well, and I mean, you got Airwax, who I've had in the studio a couple of times. I mean, fucking hell. Come on. (laughs) Again, your countrymen. And they are awesome. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the bottle, empty bottle that's sitting next to your head was brought by them. So I had to keep it because, I mean, come on. Yeah. So. You're a skydiving instructor. You jump out of airplanes, strap people to your,
1: What Do you do AFF yeah. video, all that stuff? Yeah, throwing drugs and uh, camera flyer, of course. And nice. I've got my AFF rating, but I haven't used it that much. Huh, fair enough. But, fair enough. Yeah. So
0: how did you get started? What... what uh, I mean, was it just skydiving that got you into so-called extreme sports?
1: Well, no. I've always been into extreme sports, but it was snowboard for me in the first place. So I've been snowboarding for like 15 years. Mm. And um, I got... Uh, skydive as a present when i was 20 years old and that was my first tandem in france and i i was really hooked i was like i want to do this sport it's always been something that i wanted to try anyway and uh, of course after my first jump i was like i want to do my license straight away but i was too busy with other stuff because i was studying music Mm. and i was planning to become a professional musician So, and I was already a professional musician at this age anyway. Sure. I was already a teacher. Really?
0: Yeah. Here, this is the fucking thing that I love. And this is my favorite part about the podcast, especially when I'm talking to people that I've known for a long time and find out shit that I had no (laughs) idea about. Because to me, you're a skydiver. You know, I mean, you and I worked together for a lot of years now and I see you chucking drogues and swooping and
1: having fun and everything. I had no idea. So how did the music thing start? So, well, with my grandfather. He was a saxophone player in Brazil, and uh, in Brazil, yeah. Ah. And um, of course, my mother was like, uh, "Maybe we should make him try an instrument." And, right. and they asked me when I was seven years old, and it's hard to make decisions <laughs> when you're seven years old. You know, you're like, right. And then I looked around, and uh, I was like, my grandfather in front of me, and I was like, well, I'm gonna play saxophone, like. Like grandfather, like papi, you know? sure. and it's like okay, let's go. And so he taught me how, really? to, how to how to play. Yeah. Wow. And um, and yeah, I've done the National Conservatory, classical. Really? Yeah. Holy so, shit. And I ended up uh, playing as a soloist with like a full philharmonic orchestra behind me and stuff like that on stage, like operas.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Do other people here know this? Uh, not. Not a lot.
0: (laughs) That's so fucking cool, dude. I mean, mean, coming from somebody that's like learned this, can only play the same five songs on a bass guitar, because that's all I've learned to play in the like 10 years I've been trying to play bass. If I was really good at an instrument, I would never put it away.
1: It's there. (laughs) It's here. I have it. Um, I don't play it very often. Oh, see, now you're. Sophie, my girlfriend, asked me many times, oh, play some saxophone for me. And like. It never happened yet, but oh. I'm, st- I'm still doing some music. Like I produce music with like groovebox and um, drum machines and sure. like more like analogic synthesizers and stuff like that. So I still do music. But still, I mean, playing an instrument,
0: and I'm not downplaying producing music uh, in a technical fashion nowadays because I think it's a it's a uh, an incredible skill, and it's still music. It's fantastic music. But to physically pick up an instrument and to play it and to play it well is just awe inspiring. To sit and watch somebody like just go off on an instrument is like,
1: damn, it's great fun. And uh, I have so much good memories. Also, all the different concerts and like I've done weddings, galas. I was playing for. Hebraic weddings, bar mitzvahs, so like all this kind of stuff, or even like the, like the ball, you know, like in the village, in the right. countryside, right. like all different stuff. So uh, uh, we had some good fun. So yeah. how do you transition
0: from that? Because I mean, that once you're to the level so, yeah. that you're talking about, that you're pretty established
1: at that point, and yeah. it's a very respectable career. I was uh, I was working a lot, and I was not making that much money to be fair, mm. but. <laughs> I was happy with it. It was it was it was decent, and uh, I loved my job anyway. I loved what I was doing. So, mm. but something happened. Something quite big. I got a kid. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, he's seventeen now. I'm a very proud father of a seventeen-year-old boy. His name is Maé. and uh, so yeah, I had my kid, and um, everything was fine. We stayed together for a couple of years, even after we had Maé. and uh, and then we split up. Mm. So that's when I decided to to move on and to change city and as I change cities I changed careers. Wow. And the next career is gonna surprise you also. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You hit me. So I moved to Paris and um, I was like looking to to work in the music industry sure. and it was pretty hard. It's a, it's a bit of a jungle there. Like you need you need connections. You sure. Know? Anyway, had uh, some friends working in this club called The Queen, and it's a gay-friendly club. Okay. And uh, they were like, why don't you come do some extras here, like as a bartender? I was like, why the fuck not? Yeah. And uh, I started working uh, in the nightlife from that day. Really? Yeah. And I had great fun. I was making great money. And uh, and that's how I ended up working in the nightlife. And I lived in Paris for about eight years, I think, doing that. Okay. And, uh, and then I met a girl, we moved to London, doing the same thing. But sure. in London, I was a mixologist. So okay. it got like, you know, in London, the cocktail industry is very big. Sure. And uh, it's um, it's, uh, like, like, it's like a chef you right. know, like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, uh, people know their drinks, they sure. know their spirits. It's very interesting. And I got very passionate for this. So then, yeah, I developed that and uh, I became a mixologist in London and uh, another seven years, I think, in London. And yet you're and a Frenchman that I couldn't get to have a glass of red wine with me for the <laughs> podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> well, uh, you got me right after my training. so But later on, yeah. All right, like, cool, like, cool, cool. We'll pour a glass. So and, now uh, it,
0: it's kind of funny because uh, uh, the, 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 the music stuff doesn't surprise me. It just shocks me how in-depth some people have taken things before because, again, I only know you as a skydiver. But if you were to ask me what profession I thought you had done, telling me you were in the nightlife in Paris and London would not have surprised me. Good-looking French guy, covered in tattoos, a charismatic. I'd be like, oh, yeah, he absolutely would fit in that. But a classical trained musician, that kind of catches me off guard. It's great, though.
1: Yeah. I, 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 it's always something I will keep, you know. And uh, I know that I, I haven't played maybe for, like, 15 years now. Oh, wow. Like, what I mean by played is, like, playing every day, practicing sure. two, sure. three hours a day, you know. And, uh, but I'm sure, like, if I take this sax, it will come back very, very easy, sure. easily, and I can I always have this backup, if I, you know, like... Uh, sure. Well, and you and clearly
0: still have the passion for music because you're producing music.
1: Also, yeah. I mean, that's in your soul. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's there. Yeah. So um, how
0: do you transition from... So now you're in London, you've done one tandem in France... Yeah, but like it, years ago. But it just wasn't an option. So now you're mixing drinks uh, as a mixologist in London and living the nightlife, which is not a great time
1: frame for skydiving. Cause yeah, but I was only working three nights a week. Oh, there you go. All right, fair <laughs> enough. So a lot of time ahead. Um, I had some savings. I had some time. I was like, you know what? Maybe I can start my license now. It's the time, you know? like uh, Actually, no. Oh, you just... Now it's all coming together. No, that, no, no that's not how it happened. Mm. Um, we were supposed to do a tandem for a charity mm. when I was working in the Playboy Club. The Playboy Club? Yeah, you know the bunnies? Yeah, yeah. I know the bunnies. <laughs> Great funder. Yeah, I bet. And with uh, all the security team and uh, they were like, oh, look, you've done that before. Like, would you, would you like to do that with us? I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Sure. Like, why the fuck not? So we went there. And we did that second tandem right. for me, right. and uh, I was bored that day. Like, after the jump, I was like, "That's no, that's not it. I was like, it didn't hit the spot. I need to do this by myself. Right. And that's when I, I made the decision to do my lessons. Two weeks later, I was doing my FF, bim bam boom, next thing you know, I was jumping out of airplanes <laughs> in london in london yeah oh in, that's fantastic it was london parachute school i actually done only two jumps there because it was the end of the season for them mm. and it's next to Heathrow, so they have like a lot of um oh. restrictions yeah, with yeah, air yeah traffic and uh, um i moved to hinton this is where i'm at 40 by the way oh nice <laughs> and mr. He, mr ford's been and on the he podcast was my aff instructor Forty was your AFF instructor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mr. Ford. Yes. Hello, Mr. Ford. How are you? <laughs> uh, we miss you, brother. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, went to intern, finished the AFF there. And in in the meantime, I had some connections here in, in the Middle East. And, mm. um, and uh, someone offered me a job. So I was like, hmm, you know what? Nice. Let's have a look. And I start looking, and I saw that skydiving was very popular there. Sure. and And that's how I made my decision. And I, I finished my license, and I moved there to the Middle East. Sure. And uh, that's how it worked.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's wild that it doesn't the sport as big as it is and as big as it's gotten and as as popular it is as it is worldwide how truly small the sport really is though because uh, like 40 and i had connections um through the the sport well before we ever even met because we had done sky surfing way way back in the day uh and so he knew all the same people that i knew uh and then uh, you and i had met i think before i actually met 40 or maybe it might have been the other way around but one of the other all these connections still linking back to the same group of people, and once you've been in the sport for any length of time, it's just a, its one degree of separation. If I don't know you, I know ten people that do.
1: Oh yeah, it's so true, and uh, it's funny because you know I finished my FF and i had good connection with folly but we didn't stay in touch. Sure. Right? Like, and um, and <laughs> years later, he saw uh, a post on Facebook of me doing tandem, and he was like. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said. And yeah, he uh, was very funny, and uh, and then we ended up uh, working, working together. together again. Oh, amazing! It's so. How did you? Uh, obviously,
0: you get into the sport, you become a fun jumper, and uh, uh, start working your way up the sport like that. But what was your first job in the sport?
1: Um. In... Working in skydiving. Oh
0: Well, my first job was a tandem instructor. Really? So you went straight from a fun jumper, got your rating, and
1: straight to a tandem instructor? Straight to a tandem instructor. Holy shit.
0: That's actually an unusual leap. Because most of the time, it's I do the packing thing, I learn to shoot video.
1: I was at the right place at the right time. Sure. Now, how many jumps did you have when you got your rating? When I got
0: my rating, I about 900 jumps. Okay. So, I mean, that's... It's kind of funny looking back because I got my tandem rating really early in my career um, and was kind of forced into it. But now I look at a lot of the jumpers that I see getting tandem ratings that or want to get a tandem rating at like 500 jumps. And I'm horrified. Wait, you only have 500 fucking skydives. There's no way in hell I would let you take me on a jump. Because it just seems now, again, with this many years in the sport, everybody I know has 12, 15, 25,000
1: fucking skydives. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it, I, I never thought I would reach like 10,000 skydives. I'm almost there now.
0: Isn't that crazy? Like,
1: yeah, that, that's it, nuts. And it goes so fast. It goes so fast.
0: Well, and I mean, you went straight to it because you got your tandem rating and got a job at a place where you were working, working. You know, I mean, doing consistent
1: jumps. Well, yeah. Like, I was working in the nightlife and uh, that that the plan was to become an instructor. It was like... I had the goal. It was like, I'm going to get my ratings. I'm going to become an instructor. That's what I want. Wow. So I was working in the nightlife still, even in the Middle East, working in the clubs VI- sure. as a VIP host and PR. And uh, sometime, brother, I was finishing work at like 4 a.m. with my rig with me. Yeah. And I was driving straight to the drop zone. Yeah. To jump, get the the numbers and have fun of, obviously going back home take a nap going back to work and yeah. like this and repeat and like smashing it and uh, and yeah like you know how it works you know you you it's like a, it's a it's a fun progression because you just you're fun jumping with your friends sure but then you reach that certain amount of jumps where like you're gonna get the, the next license and uh, and as it goes you're like okay now maybe I can do something with that yeah and yeah. then you reach the level when you get the D license and now it's getting serious for sure.
0: It's funny because you and I actually have quite a parallel in the beginning of the sport because when I was uh, building up jumps and then when I first became an instructor and was first shooting videos, I was working nightlife as well. Uh, So this was in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I was working the club Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. And I would finish up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, drive to the drop zone, sleep on the drop zone couch until somebody kicked me. And then I'd go brush my teeth and get on the fucking plane every weekend for years until I was finally doing enough jumps and making enough money in the sport to be able to walk away from the nightlife gig.
1: It's crazy. It's very funny because I have very similar scenarios. When you say, like, I was falling asleep, like, I was falling asleep everywhere. Oh, yeah. Like, during meetings at work, <laughs> on the on the Lazy Boy, or, like, like just I had two minutes, like, sitting, yeah. I would just fall asleep yeah. because I was nonstop.
0: <laughs> I looked forward to... Great, To uh, um, the days that were slightly slower at the drop zone so that they used the Cessna instead of the Otter uh, because the Cessna meant I got a 20-minute nap in the plane on the way up every load. So, all right, I'm going to catch up on a little sleep today. I'm still going to do 10 jumps, but I'm going to sleep for the climb up for most of them. The Otter
1: loads would come around. Fuck, I'm not going to get to nap at all today.
0: (laughs) It's
1: uh, it's a weird mix, right? It's it is, yeah. And that's the thing is like I've done my AFF this way also, like, <laughs> and uh, I think on my jump number six of my AFF rate, uh, uh, course, I fell asleep in the plane, and Fordy <laughs> was like, "What the fuck's wrong with this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> and only because I went I, came, I went there straight from work. Sure. And also, like the the not fun part of that is that I fell asleep on the road on the way back. Oh! But it was all good, just a little, just yeah. a little touch.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. yeah that I'll tell you what. Nothing wakes you up quicker, does it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> when your near death experience is napping. Oh my god! Yeah. So w- when you made these transitions, because there are a couple of big transitions in your life to go from music to the nightlife and then to skydiving, what's the family thinking as all this is happening?
1: Well. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question like um, my my mother mm. uh, when she thought that I was doing skydiving for fun at first she was not very keen mm. like she was like oh, yeah, well, that's uh, not, you didn't really need that right. like why do you put yourself in such danger right. because she had a very different outlook on it but then she came to visit me and uh, we jumped together she jumped with tux Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. in the desert. And, um, and I joined the jump, obviously. And, uh, and then she, had, she changed her mind completely straight away. Nice. And then she became proud. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, this is great. This is actually a lot of fun. And sure. I can see that people actually are, they know what they're doing. Sure. Like, it's a very um, structured thing. Sure. Um, sure, Thing. Well, do so. you think,
0: too, part of that is that the um, public perception of skydiving has changed a lot over the last dozen years or so? Because, I mean, even a, a dozen years ago, it wasn't nearly as mainstream as it is now. Um, so somebody that worked in skydiving was looked at as being a bit of a, uh, not not just a, a nutcase for jumping out of airplanes, but a bit of a bum. Because, oh, you just go jump out of planes? How, how do you make money doing that?
1: Yeah, But it's
0: changed quite a lot.
1: I think so. And also, it's like it got, it's got got this background, like because always in the movies they show skydivers like being drug smugglers or, sure. you know, sure. like, doing heists or like stuff like that. So yeah. so, yeah, like it's a bit of a, a stigma. Sure. Know. But uh, yeah, I guess like the opinion from the people changed. By, with, sure. Well, by when now. I
0: had uh, um, Melissa Nelson on the podcast, her father, of course, Roger Nelson, who started up Skydive Chicago is famous for running drugs Uh, and uh, um, she had written a a couple of books about it Sugar Alpha uh, and the second title escapes me but um It's all the story of how skydiving and that life went really well together. And there's a lot of parallels between how skydiving got all these really big, cool airplanes and why they got all these big, cool airplanes. Because you can run a lot of fucking weed in a big plane. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think it's an earned reputation, but I think we've also done a good job of pulling away from that now. What do you think, though, that... uh, much more prevalent in the public perception now than skydiving is base jumping and wingsuiting and all that kind of stuff do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing for skydiving's reputation
1: it's a tough question yeah um um, well base jumping became much more popular i think uh, not just because it's it's amazing and yeah. it's cool. Sure, like, it's cool to watch. Yeah, but oh, yeah. it became very popular because people started posting more. Sure, and the social platforms became also like um, a way to share what they do because skydiving is not something you can watch really, right? Right, right. But people started posting like videos of like the lines during base jump and all these wingsuit proximity jumps and people were blown away and mm. like and actually a lot of people started skydiving because of that sure they were like oh like I want, I want to do that but then they start the sport and they discover that there is much more to it right. and, and like honestly this is probably also one of the reasons why I really wanted to skydive mm. but I've never base jumped and <laughs> I, I, will nev- I, I will never base jump sure because I have so much fun skydiving and sure know? But you get my point. Of course. Yeah. So, um, I'm a bit 50-50 there.
0: Sure. Like My decision on base jumping was, was made for me a long time ago, because back when I was considering base jumping, it was back when it was still really sketchy. I mean, we're talking 25 years ago. Um, and it was... A lot of shit was, I mean, people were still jumping sport rigs off the bridge in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just packing slider-down sport rigs. Um, and, of course, it's, it's morphed into this completely different sport now. But as soon as I found out that I was going to be a dad, the option of base jumping just went away. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. If it were now today, and I was not a dad, I think I probably would have started base jumping because it is so attractive. Um, but you and I have I have unfortunately gone through the same thing, which is losing a lot of friends to that sport um, because they're obviously tied together. Uh, it's all the base jumpers that we know that are doing those badass things and flying these incredible lines and jumping off of these cliffs are also jumping out of airplanes to support that career as well. And they're pushing hard lines. I mean, we just said goodbye to a great friend, yes. uh, Matt Munting, just, a, what, a few weeks back, a month ago? A mm-hmm. month and a half ago? Which is, I mean, I we we ran all the, their podcasts. I ran all the podcasts uh, that he and Nick were on, but nothing puts into perspective what yeah. a loss. Something like that or Micah. Uh, yeah, um, this w- this, this hits you hard. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and it's, uh, the only comforting thing is that, you know, everybody around the planet, because of that one degree of separation in the sport, everybody's thinking and feeling the same thing. And I think it's this, this week as well, base jumping lost three more high-profile people. Yes. It breaks my heart. And I don't know how I feel about it because the friends that I have that do it have such passion for it that I would never deny them that passion. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm terrified. every. And we're fucked, right? We're so deep in the sport now. Even if we stop tomorrow,
1: we're going to keep losing people because we're in it. We're in it, yeah. It's the community. Yeah. That's the great thing about skydiving. No, yes. Or like... Like you you make new friends and uh, you, you, you feel like you're part of this community and it's strong. You sure, know, like uh, you share the same passion, but not only, there's like something very special about it. And mm. you can ask any skydiver is going to tell you, I think, the same thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, they do. They do. Well, the other cool thing, too, and I'm sure you've learned this, is um, there's, there's a couch for any of us. Or anywhere in the fucking planet, as long as you're not hated in the sport, you've got a couch to crash on. Pretty much, yeah, anywhere. it's so true. I uh, I bumped into somebody on world travels back when I used to wear a closing pin necklace that spotted it from across the room and ran over. Dude, where do you jump? And you know, it was this super cool thing because you identified instantly, instantly. Yeah. And of course, now you know. I, I was uh, you were actually one of the lucky few that got to stay at the at the Blue Skies Villa in Bali. Um, True. because a bunch of skydivers got together and got villas in, in Bali, and you happen to be going to Bali. I mean, fuck, and how cool
1: is that shit? It was amazing. Just to be able to do stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah.
0: Well, and you've been able to do quite a bit of traveling ever since you started jumping as well, right? Yes. How yes. cool is that? Uh,
1: well, it's, it's beyond cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got to jump over the pyramids, <laughs> which is like... Uh, and I was flying wingsuit, actually. Nice. Like, like I, uh, I haven't done... A lot of wingsuit recently, but yeah, like over the something pir- I will remember all my life.
0: Over the pyramids? Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have fucking thought? I mean, even to go see the pyramids as just a normal tourist and stand there and look at them is impressive,
1: but to be flying over them? It's such a sacred place. Right? And it's always been in my mind just to go there. Right. Just to visit. But flying over it was beyond my expectations. When well, you sure.
0: guys are landing right next to them, aren't you? Yes.
1: <sighs> oh,
0: that was a beauty. Yeah. Beauty. I mean, I've talked to, to Omar. Uh, were you with Omar's crew over there? Uh, no. Because there's a couple of different crews that do it. Both of them, I hear, put on fantastic events. Um, but jumping out of C-130s and all this fantastic stuff
1: over the top of the fucking pyramid. Well, my experience was slightly different. All right. All he right. <laughs> was a C-17 from the Army. He was a little bit ratchet. <laughs> and the crew was beyond ratchet. Really? Oh, my God. Like... Yeah, no, it was actually funny. It had to be. Yeah, it was pretty
0: funny. So, but that sounds really skydiving to me. That's Fandango, plain duct tape together kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Which is almost, uh, I mean, that's almost kind of why you need a parachute. That's the right picture right there. Well, I just saw a a meme the other day that was uh, uh, one of the funniest ones I'd ever seen, which was uh, uh, an optimist um, designed an airplane, a pessimist designed a parachute. (laughs) And I kinda like that. Yeah. Or or uh, the old saying, Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? And my answer always is there's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> so well how did you end up deciding and, and being able to get on the crew to go to Egypt? Was it
1: was it a boogie that was coming up? Well, yeah, it was like a, a small boogie organized and um and I had a holiday just happening at that time and I was like, mm. Hey,
0: let's let's do it. Nice. So now that you're a working professional skydiver and have been for some time now, when you go on vacation, do you go to jump or do you go to get away from it? I didn't get to do that yet. Mm.
1: But, um, I'm, for example, I've never done a boogie outside of the Middle East. Okay. Which is a bit sad, but sure. it's coming. Sure. <laughs> I was uh, planning to do the Vector Festival in 2020 uh. and obviously it didn't happen. Yeah. So um, it's, it's there, like... it. Uh, Maybe next year. Let's see. So now you've gotten back to being very busy ever since
0: COVID started. But yes. when COVID hit, um, you ended up going back to the nightlife stuff for a while, didn't you?
1: Actually, no. I I was in the food and beverage. Like, okay. I went, um, my mother owns a, a beach restaurant in Corsica. So I I went to help her. Oh, school. nice. I was bar manager there. That sounds for four real, months. real fucking rough. <laughs> he was, yeah, I've lost 16 kg that season. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. So yeah, fair yeah, enough. That
1: was a that was a tough summer, but in the end, I consider myself super lucky that I've been working during the whole pandemic. Sure. Like nonstop. Sure. You know, like I was very lucky too. I had a limited
0: amount of time off uh, during the pandemic and was able to get back to flying relatively quickly, which was good. Um, not everybody... not the rest of the world has not recovered as quickly as as we were able to. But uh, um, luckily, Knockwood. We're still going yeah, pretty strong. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, which but, is good.
1: But then, yeah, then um, uh, so four months in Corsica, then I I went back to the Middle East and I worked in a in a club for like maybe a month and a half, two months, mm. and then the drop zone called me back nice. and uh, put a smile on my face. Obviously, I was the happiest person in the world. Sure. And uh, I took, like, just three weeks off in between and then back at it.
0: Nice. Well, And
1: you've got uh,
0: um, plans for, of course, when you're jumping full-time in the Middle East, vacation time is summertime. Um, The rest of the world is busy jumping, but it gets too damn hot over there. Uh, So what are your plans for the summer? I know you've got some traveling coming
1: up. Yeah, um, I'm planning to go to Europe and uh, obviously to... To explore and also visit my son because he lives there in France. Nice. So um, I'm going to go to Spain and then Mallorca and back to Spain and then Brussels and then Amsterdam. Nice. Nice. And then France for a couple of weeks.
0: Very cool. Now, as, yeah. as the father of a 17-year-old, um, I had a similar experience as you in that uh, I wasn't a, a daily full-time dad. I would visit um, and take vacations and do all that stuff. Um, but it was... Always difficult, especially when she was much younger, to explain what dad did. You know, jumping out of airplanes. It doesn't make sense to a, a young kid. And, and I've had the opportunity not that long ago to sit down actually on the podcast with her and ask her what it was like growing up. Have you had that conversation with your son? Hey, what's it like being the, my kid? You know?
1: Actually, no, it's a great question. No, like, uh, obviously, he loves that, like, looking up to it, you know? Like, sure. And uh, I jumped with him, I did a tandem with him. Awesome. So he loved it. And uh, he wants to do his license. Really? So How do you um, feel about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> it's weird when it's your fucking yes, kid, isn't it's, it?
1: Oh, well, not just your kid. Like, for example, my girlfriend started skydiving. <sighs> and um, every time I was watching her landings, I was not feeling so good about yeah, it. Like, and uh, she had a bad landing once. And since then, she stopped. And I'm not so bothered. Sure. Because I don't have to... To worry about it. Yeah. So for my son, I guess it's gonna be probably the same. Sure. But also like I'm make sure that he goes in the right place to do his course sure. and like I mean
0: I've talked to to um second and third generation skydivers where the family goes out and jumps together and all that stuff, and I think it's fantastic, but I was relieved Very relieved when my daughter had done a couple of tandems and was like, yeah, that was fun. No desire to go out and become a licensed guy ever. And I would always joke around and say, good, it keeps her off the drop zones and away from fucking people like us. (laughs) Um, But the truth of the matter is, no matter how safe I tout the sport as being, I'm still a nervous wreck thinking of my kid jumping out of an airplane, which makes me a bit of a hypocrite because... I swear, it's this. It's super safe because you do it every day. Absolutely, yeah, it's, you it's, know, you, it's very tough to, to tell somebody you shouldn't do this because it's
1: dangerous when you've done it twelve thousand times. But also, like, think about it. Like, when you take someone that you love or your family or friends on a tandem, yeah, you don't feel the same. No, you don't feel the same. You have like much more pressure. Yeah. I did When my daughter did her first
0: jump, I didn't take her. I, I could have gotten uh, recertified and, and taken her on a tandem. And I was actually going to take uh, yours and my mutual friend, uh, Jacko, was going to take her. But he was on vacation. And I wanted her to have a really good experience. So I put her up with Alberto because I'm like, all right, if I'm going to show her a good time, I'm going to give her the tall, handsome Italian guy. <laughs> Um, But I was I was a nervous wreck. I didn't even skydive on the jump because I'm like, nope, I I can't even see it. I just I I sat in the co-pilot seat of the plane. It's stressful. Yeah, Yeah, man. Super stressful because it's yours. And when my mom jumped, I shot her video, but I I was a tandem instructor, but I wouldn't take her on the tandem. It's too much. No. (laughs) So weird.
1: Yeah, I, I, my mom did two tandems before she actually did one with me, one with Tux and one with Cornelia. Cornelia. Oh, I'm really? Like, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Like, even though I could have taken her that day, but I choose to take my sister instead. And I was like, "No, you go with Cornelia." <laughs> like, <laughs> right? I know she's gonna do great. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's very strange. Yeah,
0: it's very strange. It's it's one of the few times when you're like, "All right, I know I'm really good at my job, but I'm gonna give this one to somebody else just 'cause, yeah."
1: Interesting, yeah. Huh?
0: So speaking of Cornelia and people that uh, um, compete and all that, has has competition ever crept into you?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to go there actually. Like, um, I've been competing in sports for many years, mm. um, swimming, but skydiving, uh, it never really, um, I never really thought about it. Mm. But recently, this season, especially, I was like, you know what? Like, I wouldn't mind trying a swooping competition, mm. but actually really train for it and uh, and just do it for fun, man. Sure. Why well, not? You know, like, when you've got people like Cornelia, whose brain you can pick. I mean, one of yeah. the world's best swoopers ever. We have, uh, we have Cornelia, we have Pablo Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. And so many people around that you can ask advice to and like... I got free coaching from them pretty much. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and that's how I started swooping. So just because they were watching my landings, they were like, Oh, you should do this and that and this and that and yeah. Sure.
0: Cornelia once uh she got sick of watching me just do my two seventy landings. Uh, so she's like, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you how to do a four fifty or something along those lines. And so she's she briefs me talks briefly talks me through it, I go up on the next load, and I get halfway through the four fifty and bail on it, and I'm like, no, <laughs> nope. no, not for me. And landed, she's like, what's up with that? I'm like, fuck that. I'm sticking to my two seventies. No one's ever going to be impressed with my swoops anyway.
1: Well <laughs> <laughs> it's like, too much spinning for me. I can't do it. It's funny because at the beginning, um, when I was fun jumping, and I was watching the swoopers, I was like, this. I will never do. Right. I don't know why. this is. Uh, this, for me, this was like something I was like, no, this is way too much risk. I will never do this. Sure. I'll never swoop. Ah, look at me. No.
0: <laughs> well, I remember doing but. the same thing, though, because
1: I started out shooting video.
0: And, and uh, again, this is a, a different time and different canopies and stuff. But I remember thinking, I don't need a high-performance canopy. I don't need to do that kind of stuff. And then I jumped one and went, oh, that was, that was kind of fun. I, I kind of like that but now that i'm not as nearly as active jumping and i've been off because of the uh, recoveries and everything yeah. i can't watch swoops it makes i'm a nervous fucking wreck because the the canopies being flown nowadays fly in such a different way than the canopies that i'm used to that i don't recognize the sight picture from the ground and i'm like oh god that's going to be oh that was beautiful but i just i can't handle it <laughs> My nerves can't take it, man. I think I'm getting old.
1: <laughs> it's all catching uh, up it's too. It's all about currency, I think. You For know, sure. Right? For yeah. sure. Uh, you you got to take care of it when you do these kind of things. That's well, it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and I'm smart enough to know that I'm not good enough to continue to try and swoop if I'm not going to be doing it all the time. So, yeah, when I finally start jumping again after all the recoveries, it's going to be on a bigger parachute, not a smaller one. <laughs> well, the most important is that you have fun, right? Yeah, man. It's all about enjoying. Yeah. So now, longevity in the sport. You've been doing it for a while now, but looking
1: down the road, where do you see yourself? Another interesting question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's crazy um, right it's crazy you know I don't know I'm not I haven't planned anything um, obviously like I want to progress in the sport I want to become a, a better flyer that's the good thing about this sport is that sure. you learn forever sure like there's no such a thing as you reach the top like, right Uh and um so yeah, like I want to fly more in the tunnel to improve. I want to do more challenging jumps. This season has been great because we got to do like a lot of big ways, mm. and uh, I've been training in the tunnel specially for it. And also like um, when I started working as um, as a, uh, in, in skydiving, I kind of stopped fun jumping a little bit. Sure, just because. It's what happens. Uh, It's what happens. Like, uh, I was working a lot. I was trying to fun jump on my dissolve here and there, but it's not the same, you know, it's not the same that when you go like (laughs) and smash right seven, eight, ten jumps, 10 fun jumps a day, you know, like it's completely different. And, um, so I kind of lost it a little bit. And, um, I've lost training, and uh, I was not flying, so good <laughs> <anymore>. right <laughs> except uh, yeah, of course, flying video was good sure. and doing a tandem. I mean doesn't require that much. right but yeah, this season, I really decided to get back at it and fly. Nice, and it felt amazing, nice. And now I'm actually super stoked and I just want more. you know. Skydiving so. is
0: still one of the only activities and sports that I have seen ever where people work in it and spend their off time going to do it as well. Um, it's, I mean, it's crazy the drive that people get for um, skydiving.
1: And also, like, it's nice to have, like, uh, I'm lucky to have, like, great people around sure. who are super passionate, like Brandon. Sure. Because he's a really good friend, Brandon Absolutely. Johnson. This season he's been organizing um, little camps. He yep. calls them flow motion on the weekends uh, in the desert nice. and uh, of course like uh, i tried to to be there all the time and it was absolutely amazing i've learned so much and sure. those jumps are sick sure like it was great and uh, so yeah i was so happy i got i got i got the the feel for it the passion for it again sure. you know like uh, and uh, the envy to progress and and get better.
0: For sure. Well, that's the big thing that seems to happen to a lot of people that go into working into the sport early in their career, just like you did and just like I did, um, is you forget some of why you got into it and it becomes just a job. And I was at a drop zone where going and being a fun jumper on a day off wasn't really an option. It wasn't a big fun jumper drop zone. I'd have to drive three hours. And after, you know, a crazy work week and the nightlife and all that, I'm not going to get in the car and go drive three hours to fun jump. And then all of a sudden, 10 years goes by and you've got a shitload of jumps, but you can't remember the last time you did anything goofy on a skydive because you're just chucking drugs or shooting video. And I had to take, I think I took four years off of jumping um, and didn't jump again until uh, again, a mutual friend of ours, junior, uh, was like, dude, we should go make a fun jump. And the idea actually made me nervous. And that's when I knew, oh, fuck, I should, yeah, I should go make a skydive again. And now I'm just a fun jumper. How did that feel? Fucking fantastic. Oh, <laughs> juice. Yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. I mean, after four years, I was riding up in the airplane as nervous as I was AFF level <clears throat> one. I was a fucking nervous wreck with thousands of skydives. And, of course, the instant you're out of
1: the airplane, you're like, oh, yeah, this is why. But, uh, uh, I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, for example, like, um, like, once or twice a week, we have a staff load at the end of the day. Yeah. And... Um, Back in, f- few years back, like, um, you know, it's hot, you're tired. You're like, ah oh, nah, no, I'm not getting on the staff load. Right. You know, like, and now I'm trying not to miss one of them because the <laughs> hardest part sometime at the end of the day is that moment when you decide, no, I'm going to get there. Like, the hardest part is to get in the plane. Sure. Because whatever happens, when you're going to land from that jump, you're going to feel absolutely amazing. Sure. It's, sure. it's like, you're like, oh, why? Have, why did I miss that? Yeah, all the, all those years, like why did, the, I was saying no. You, you know, it's like you're doing it every day. It's, it becomes just like a, like you say, like sure. a, like a routine, like a job. And and sometimes you, you 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 avoid those those, those jumps. Sure. And and you, I, I don't I don't want to say that I regret it because now I changed my mind already. Sure. You know. Sure. So it's just a, it's just a, some it's a, a certain amount of time. Maybe I needed that that break or Absolutely. so. You know Like. A, Well, that's and that's the thing, though, right? That's longevity in
0: the sport because there's a lot of people that uh, went in, smashed out a ton, got burned out, walked away, and never came back. Um, And then there's those of us who managed to step back a little bit and reignite that passion for it. And I was lucky in that I never actually left the sport. I was still working in the sport because I was flying. I just wasn't jumping. So I had one huge benefit, which is the most important part of the sport, which is the community. Bar none. I mean – jumping is fucking fantastic skydiving is amazing and it's super super fun
1: but it doesn't hold a candle to the people that do that well, right just look at it i'm sure you know some people who actually don't jump anymore or who are actually not even fun jumpers would just come and hang at the jobs <laughs> just absolutely. because it's cool absolutely
0: <laughs> absolutely once a skydiver always a skydiver I had a friend post uh, on Facebook that he was giving up jumping because uh, his family was taking priority, and, and he didn't want to uh, put have his wife nervous and, and the kids as they were getting older, and, and he was really um, pretty upset about it. In this post, you could see it was a pretty emotional post of him saying, I'm, I'm done skydiving, and... All the responses were, dude, once a skydiver, always a skydiver. You don't have to jump to be part of this community. You know, I mean, the, you still are a part of the most important part of skydiving, which is the fucking people, which is the coolest part about it. It really is. I mean, if, if I never jump again, I'm still a fucking skydiver. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's in your blood. So does it make you nervous that you don't have a, um, an exit plan or a, a what comes next? Not really. Well, how old are you? I am 40. Okay, so, I mean, I hate to say young, but 40 is still, by our standards, and especially in our sport, 40 is young.
1: Yeah, like, uh, you know what, like, um, I was thinking learning um, reeking. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because this, like, let's let's be honest, like, you don't want to be doing tandems too late in your life. Sure. And who knows if I'm going to be physically apt to do it. Sure. You know? So, yeah, like, I've been thinking I need um a backup plan i sure. need something and rigging is something i was looking at like sure and um maybe maybe at some point uh, i will i will learn yeah
0: they haven't come up with a, a 401k or a retirement home for skydivers yet <laughs> could you imagine that yeah
1: <laughs> <All broken. laughs> oh man
0: how are you physically has the sport taken a toll on you i mean
1: has yes. it beat you up it, yes
0: what kind of shit's
1: going yeah, on on you yeah um but also I train a lot on the side, sure. and so I'm I'm very active. So, um, I would say my back, my upper back and neck, at some point, <sighs> here and there, like and we're jumping heavy cameras, and a lot of jumps and uh, some hard openings. You know how it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you you know <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. especially yeah you know exactly what I'm yeah, talking about. I've, I've but paid the price on that. But so far I'm okay. I'm doing it like
0: um. Uh, Well, I mean, if I had known where you're at in the sport, if I had been a little smarter and taken a little bit better care of myself, I mean, I was always active working out and all that stuff, but the idea of stretching never even crossed my mind. I mean, and now looking back, oh my God, if I could give my younger self one piece of advice, it would be fucking stretch, you moron.
1: It's it's funny you say that because just yesterday I told my son, (laughs) he sent me a picture of him like uh, pumped from the gym. Right. And I'm like, hey, this is great. Stretch. Please stretch. <laughs> take care of your body. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to regret in a few years. Oh, you're yeah, gonna, man. You're going to feel that.
0: It's, and it's funny, too, because um, it's my neck, it's my upper back, and it's my right shoulder. From chucking drogues for th- 8,000 fucking tandems, chucking drogues. And it's crazy because I can just follow the breadcrumbs of, oh, this is where I've fucked myself up. And if I had just, at the beginning and end of every day, stretched. I walked through Eloy, Arizona, actually, when I was going to get my AFF rating. Uh, and, um, they were doing a, uh, who was, Sean McCormick was leading a yoga class on the packing mat. And I remember walking by them thinking, what the fuck are those guys? Yoga? Really? <laughs> fuck off. And now I wish, I wish to anything I had been on that yoga mat or on the packing floor with those guys. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But look, like, how many skydivers actually practice yoga now? Yeah. Yeah. The like, smart ones. <laughs> true. Yeah. But yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think there's, a, there's a, a, a lot of us old dogs that have beat the shit out of ourselves now that uh, are kind of a, a cautionary tale.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? yes, I guess. Yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, I mean, it, how common is it for all of our friends? How many friends do you have that have had multiple surgeries and a whole lot of metal in their bodies? Well,
1: uh, yeah. More than one, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, you
0: know, I mean, it's it's not uncommon at all to see somebody posting something, a picture of a plate that's here or there, or, or I always use Olga as an example. Uh, she's got a new plate, and I know she's listening to this, and right now she's pissed at me because I always talk about her accidents. Um, <laughs> but I think she just had the plate from her ankle removed. Removed, yeah, um, So she doesn't
1: have as much metal, but that went to shit too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but look she's a, she's a beast because she is like she just had this but she's training muay thai in I know. Thailand right now i you know, know? <laughs> so it just shows you know that hardcore, nothing is impossible
0: hardcore beast mode in thailand uh kicking with a leg that she just had a metal plate taking out of. <laughs> <laughs> how about that yeah yeah she is full-on hardcore i actually just saw a picture of her on instagram now she's proper skinny she like, looks super fit. Yeah, yeah, like lean as hell. I wouldn't want her yeah. to kick me. Makes me want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It doesn't mean Well, I, I started to get into uh, um, jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar Al-Hijalan had invited me to go to his place, and I started to really get into it just before I found out how fucked up my neck is or was. And, and now, of course, I can't do it anymore because now I've got a bunch of fused shit and, and metal in my spine but it was super fun so muay thai looks like a blast as well but uh, i think i'm past that <laughs> i love martial arts i think it's tai chi for me tai chi is good <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tai chi. i think that's about you know tai time. chi is actually a martial art
1: yeah oh for yeah. sure absolutely and it's, it's like hidden in the moves you know like and it's a well and, and from everything that i've been
0: told it's a,
1: a hell of a workout i mean it's extremely oh intense yes i was doing tai chi a little bit here and uh, there is classes actually nice. if you're interested. Nice. And uh, after an hour or two, you sweating. Nice. Like you feel like it burns. Really. <laughs> because you hold you like a uh, position, you know, like gainers and sure. stuff like that, and it's actually a proper workout nice very physical i've definitely been looking into trying to find different avenues
0: um outside of just heavy lifting in the gym i mean obviously as you get older it's difficult to sustain i'm never going to build the kind of muscle that i used to be able to build not at my age um so i've tried the alternate stuff i've also been looking at different ways to help like with the inflammation and all that i started doing ice baths and all that shit
1: yes ice baths are great (sighs)
0: Yeah, I love it. I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's torture, but it's uh, it's really good mental training. And I actually, I just took the wife yesterday for her birthday, it was the first time she'd done an ice bath. She's from Finland. She made it eight seconds, her first time in the water, <laughs> before she dove out. And as I was watching her hop in and out, not being able to get through it, it dawned on me what being able to sit through an ice bath is like. And It's like getting tattoos.
1: Yeah, of it's all about the mental, and you have to work on your breathing. And uh, but it's funny that you compare that to tattoos because it's very, it's very true. Yes, like, it's like you need to be strong mentally. Yes, and it's almost like um, yeah, it's a it's a it's challenging. Yeah, and you need to to work with that energy and uh, breathe through it yes. and just like let it flow. And in the end, you accept it. Yes. Right? I tried
0: to explain to her um, when I had started doing it, uh, um, I went in for a 10-minute session. And about five minutes into it, you start getting that shake. Your body wants to shake. And at about the eight-minute mark, I'm like, I think I might have to get out because I'm shaking too hard. And then I just told myself, stop shaking. Just yeah. And just took a deep breath, and instantly it went away. And I'm like, this is like fucking getting tattooed.
1: And how great is it? The thinning
0: is amazing. Oh, amazing. Although I fucked up yesterday because I'm laughing at her getting in and out. I'm listening to my music, and I'm so amused by her that I'm not paying attention to how long I was in. And I was in for 25 minutes. Five degrees? uh, uh, Five degrees. Wow. So when I got out, I'm proper hypothermic. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, above twenty minutes, they say that it's not very beneficial. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so, no good after uh, yeah. twenty minutes. So, and
0: I've been stopping at twenty minutes, so I hit twenty five and I got out, and I'm like, oh, well, that was stupid because I could barely hold the cup of tea
1: to <laughs> to drink it. Have you done some um, stretching or yoga right after it? Because uh, um, it's very nice to do it. Like when you come out of the ice bath, yeah, yeah. we do like a little yoga session and uh, to warm up. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's great.
0: well, and uh, luckily the place that I go to is a bit of a walk from the house, and of course it's. Quite hot out, uh, So it's the same thing. It's almost like stepping back into a sauna to stretch. But it feels nice. so
1: good as you walk out, even though it's like 40 degrees outside, you're like, oh, you, this actually feels great. Yes. And you don't even
0: feel warm. Yeah, you know? no, it's a nice, yeah. cool breeze. Yeah, no, it's such a good thing. So potentially rigging in the future, but obviously a lot more jumping, maybe some swooping in your future as well, which all sounds pretty fucking cool.
1: Yeah, and also I want to get back to, to flying wingsuits also. Nice. Like next season. That's something uh, I, I, I love doing. And uh yeah.
0: So still a proper passion for the sport.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. amazing.
0: I mean, there's, we're pretty fucking lucky, right? Oh man. You know, I'm I'm getting ready to wrap up my my career working in the sport, and I'm gonna just be a fun jumper and do the podcast and stuff. I won't be working full time in the sport, um, but I consider myself nothing but lucky that I have spent 26 years. I mean, holy shit.
1: This <laughs> who gets, is like,
0: um, yeah. Who gets to do this
1: shit? This is a quarter of a century. Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really long time. But that's the thing is everybody that I know that has the kind of passion like you and most of the people that we know for the sport don't even think twice that, of course, they'll hit that t- that amount of time. Of course they will. Absolutely. And I'll still be skydiving, hopefully, for many, many years to come. I'm just going to be a lazy weekend warrior. On big canopies, yeah. On big canopies. And why not? Yeah. I, I get Nobody was ever impressed with my swoops anyway. <laughs> the only time anybody was ever impressed with my swoops was when I was swooping, working for Skydive Fiji, and that's because I was the only skydiver in the country with a sport canopy. <laughs> Pretty it's easy to be Fiji. the best. Mm. Yeah. I, I I don't know who runs it now. I think there's a couple Is of that operations. Day? Yeah. I think there's a couple. Um, the operation that I worked for, I would not recommend anybody ever go work for. <laughs> But Fiji itself, fucking gorgeous. If there is other operations, check those out. Okay, hell of a place to skydive. How I mean, did you end up there? Um, I was working at uh, uh, Skydance in Davis, uh, Chuck and Drogues, and a guy, a friend of mine named Brad from Australia, had worked there. Uh, and it was coming into the winter season in uh, Davis, and we got to talking, and he said he was working there, and they might be looking for somebody. So I, you know, sent out an email, and the next day I had a job offer. And was like, fuck it. All right, cool. I guess I'm going there. So I spent four and a half months, five months, jumping in Fiji. And beautiful. 300 and something islands scattered below you. You're landing yeah, on, a, I, on a beach in front of the Sofitel Resort. It's fucking ridiculous. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> Again, one of those ridiculous memories that people outside the sport wouldn't believe. You know, I mean, if you go tell people that you jumped over the pyramids in the sport, they'd go, oh, cool. You went to that event. Yeah. Outside the sport, they're like, fuck off. <laughs> They won't believe it.
1: Yeah, I'm not even. i not even know if my mom remembers <laughs> that I've done that. <laughs> How funny is that? As an example. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you have like the studio here is my little love me wall because it's all just shit for me to remember. I don't expect anybody else to listen to it. <laughs> So I always wrap up the podcast by asking people if they've got advice for uh, for different groups in skydiving. And so for somebody that's deciding that they want to get into the sport uh, and they already are thinking, "I want to work in the sport." What kind of tips do you have? What should they be thinking as they as they make their way?
1: Well, do what you love and do it safe, do mm. it safely. First of all, like um, don't rush anything. Uh, listen. Mm. Before you talk, yeah, <laughs> like I've been educated many times because yeah. I was like big mouth back in the days. Sure. Now I chill a little bit, but yeah, no, just just listen to people who actually have a lot to teach you. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, like so much knowledge around you at the Drop Zone, and a lot of people who can who can help you with your progression. Yeah. So that that's, that that would be the the main tip. nice well, and there's lessons to learn from every aspect, right? Yeah. It doesn't.
0: It doesn't have to be the rock star. You, you're learning lessons from the guy that's been on the packing mat for 15 exactly, years, yeah. You know, like, I mean, there are lessons everywhere in the sport. You're learning lessons from the people in manifest. You're learning lessons from the people that are managing everything, the ground control. There's lessons to be learned everywhere, which is awesome. There's so much to learn. Yeah. It's
1: insane and a whole lot of fun. To yeah. Do that. Exactly, and it's <laughs> so much fun. The learning curve is is great. And never ending. And never ending. Oh. Yeah. Benji, man, thank you so much for taking the time to
0: come thank in. Thank you for having me. Damn it good was a time uh, catching up. Uh, i look forward to to seeing you checking drugs and and uh, keeping up on your adventures. Oh yeah,
1: please please wait for me to get off the plane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Love you, brother. See you. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By summitparachutesystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always I am the fucking pilot head to the fucking pilot.net or the princesspilot.com thanks for joining we'll see you next time around